Now to the part about the t-shirts and, you know, left-leaning tendencies being sprinkled throughout the movie, to that I say, of course, it's produced by arguably, probably not even arguably, but the most influential, powerful Democrat in America, which is Barack Obama. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> um, he's behind producing this movie. If Dwayne The Rock Johnson was producing this movie, I'd expect to see wrestling t-shirts and, and shit throughout the movie. What's up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to the Spun Today podcast, the only podcast that is anchored in writing, but unlimited in scope. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and I appreciate you listening. In this year-end episode, I speak about watching the movies, Leave the World Behind, and Old Dads. I also speak about watching Stavros Halkius's latest comedy special, Fat Rascal. Shout out to Stavi Baby. Lastly, I wrap things up for the year with the final Goats Doing Goat Shit installment of 2023. Stick around for all that good stuff and more. But before we get into this year-end episode, I wanted to tell you about a quick way that you can help support this podcast. Your support means a lot, especially with the motivation and inspiration it provides for me to continue putting out this content. Here's one quick way that you can help support the Sponsor Day podcast, and then we'll jump right into the episode. Another great way for you to help support the show and also take care of your foundational health is by going to sponsor.com forward slash support and clicking on my affiliate link for Athletic Greens, aka AG1. One scoop of AG1 in your water helps to fill nutrient gaps, promote gut health, and support whole body vitality. Just one serving delivers a comprehensive blend of nine products, a multivitamin, minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, adaptogens, and more, all of which work together for the strongest foundation for better health. I personally take AG1 and really appreciate the peace of mind of knowing that my foundational health bases are covered, even when I know I'm not eating as healthily as I should be. Also, by using my affiliate link at sponsorcom forward slash support, you will get one free year of vitamin D3, as well as five AG1 travel packs absolutely for free. Again, go to spuntate.com forward slash support and click on the banner for AG1. Leave the World Behind. It's a movie that came out in select theaters and it's a Netflix movie that was available as of December 8th, 2023. Here is the official synopsis. A family's getaway to a luxurious rental home takes an ominous turn when a cyber attack knocks out their devices and two strangers appear at their door. And as we like to do here on the Sponsored Podcast, I'd like to shout out first and foremost, the writers. Leave the World Behind was written by Ruman Alam and Sam Esmael. Shout out to them. Also of note is that the movie is based on a novel written by Ruman Alam. And I'd also like to mention that Sam Esmael is the writer, creator, director of Mr. Robot, which is that series starring Rami Malek, which I've covered here on the podcast in the past. If you're interested in that, feel free to look at the Sponsorday archives for all that good stuff. Now let's get into my little recap and review of this movie. 
where as usual i'll share a couple of my favorite lines and overall just let you guys know what i thought of it first off and foremost i'd like to start out by saying y'all are a bunch of fucking haters (laughs) i've only heard negative just shitting all over this movie and for the record i enjoyed it i liked it it was a good watch i thought it was a good movie i didn't think it was a piece of shit or like you know it was so so worth watching whatever not a waste of time i thought it was a good movie i enjoyed it first and foremost so i'm gonna put that out there but what's funny to me is that this movie also of note it was produced by Barack Obama and his production company and the deal that he has I I guess with uh, just producing content for like Netflix and Spotify etc and most of the critique that I've heard on the negative side of things again only the negative side of things and also not just from my friends on the right for example but just random or not random but just like different people from different walks of life and just folks you know personal friends and people that I found online that watched the movie just all had the same negative type of reaction towards the movie saying it's a complete waste of time I just wasted you know two hours of my life etc etc and as I'm watching I'm this movie has to end horribly for that all those all all that negativity to make sense to me in my opinion because I liked it all throughout and the ending was just even more fitting. I was what the fuck? What's the, everybody's beef with this movie? But anyway, one of the biggest critiques of it is that since this is produced by Barack Obama, there's some sort of hidden meaning and it's like left wing propaganda. I heard some folks stating, shout out to Vinny, I believe, from the PBD pod, stating that this is called predictive programming, which is when, at least my layman understanding of it, when media or movies or music or books or you know different types of art kind of try to prime society for something that is to come that's called the predictive programming and this movie especially because of the fact that it's being produced by Barack Obama and his production company got even more of those labels attached to it and that that like conspiracy lore in my opinion does anyone know for sure of course not one way or the other I just don't think that that's the case and I'll I'll tell you guys why in a bit but essentially the movie what it's about is this family lives in the city in New York City decides to go out to a house in Long Island seems like the Hamptons or Montauk or something like that a fancy you know big mansion with a pool and the parents played by Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke did a great job and their two children played by Farah McKenzie and Charlie Evans. Now they decide impromptu to go out to this little family vacation getaway. And while they're there at this Airbnb mansion that they rented, the internet goes out, the phones are down. There's like bad connection. Signals going in and out, the TV's not working. And then in the middle of the night, Mahershala Ali and his daughter, Mayala, I believe that's how you say her name, which, by the way, was an actress that was in an episode of Black Mirror, the latest season, which I completely forgot to recap and review, which I thought was a great season. Um, so that'll be coming soon, 2024. But she was the main actress of Lock Henry, 
which was my favorite episode of Black Mirror. Well, I don't know my favorite. Well, definitely one of my favorites of that last season. But more on that when, when I recap that. But they show up in the middle of the night and they knock on the door. Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke open up. You know, mind you, they're in the middle of nowhere, Long Island, in this mansion that they just rented. And two people show up dressed to the nines. Mahashali is in a, a tuxedo. His daughter, Mahal, Mahala. That was probably more wrong than I said it the first time. But <laughs> she has a you know beautiful nightgown on. And they pretty much tell them, listen, G.H. Scott, I'm George. I'm the person that you emailed with. And this is my house. You know, we, we rented it to you guys because we were going to stay in our our house in the city because I'm part of the Philharmonic or some ritzy rich thing <laughs> he mentioned. And Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke are kind of like taken aback. What? <laughs> we, what are you doing here? We rented this place. And they explained that there was like a blackout. The city's all dark and, you know, their apartment is a penthouse in the 40-something floor. So they decided just to drive back there and they were hoping they could stay in the basement. So they're in quite a predicament, you know. Nobody's phone is working. The They eventually ask him for ID to prove that it's his house. He left it in his jacket, supposedly, at the theater. So he doesn't have ID on him. Ethan Hawke is more on the side of believing him. Julie Roberts is super skeptical. And there's a liquor cabinet that's locked that was supposedly not part of the rental, so there was no keys for it. it. And Mahershali kind of used that as the proof that it's his house and offered them 50% refund. He went to that liquor cabinet, and they're being super nice, you know, because they understand it's a really awkward situation, and why should they believe him? And he goes to the liquor cabinet. You know, he's, he's looking for the keys, doesn't know exactly which key it is but eventually finds it and opens it, unlocks it, and gives them money. And I just thought of a a storytelling device that I just realized. They say you're not supposed to show a gun, for example, unless you use it later on in the story, unless you shoot it. But I guess you can argue that it was used. It wasn't shot, but it was used. Because in this scene, when he's opening up the liquor cabinet, he opens a drawer that has money there, uh, he takes out the, the envelope of money, but the camera pans to a gun that's there as well. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, ratcheting up the, the tension of the story. And that gun is never used or shot, except for when Mahash Ali is, has a confrontation with a neighbor, uh, Kevin Bacon, when they go to his house. to He's a doomsday prepper, so they figure he would have supplies that would help. And Charlie Evans' character, which is Ethan Hawke's uh, kid, got bit by a tick or something like that and and got pretty sick so they went over there to see if he had antibiotics or something like that and being a doomsday prepper you know he comes to his porch respectfully but kind of (laughs) not with a a shotgun and eventually they you know they make a trade for some meds which does make the the kid better but i guess in that moment mahash ali does pull out the gun kind of to protect himself against kevin bacon's character having the shotgun so technically, it didn't break that storytelling device. They showed the gun and they used it. They just didn't shoot it, I guess. But okay, going back. So there's this awkward thing going on where, you know, does, is this really his house? Is it not his house? They seem to know where everything is. He had the keys, but he doesn't have ID. He shows up in the middle of the night. You know, nobody's phones are working. Like, what the fuck is going on? TV's not working, radio, nothing. 
So they ultimately agreed to let him let them stay, and but stay in the basement. And then the daughter, she's kind of upset because she's like, wait, this is our fucking house. And we're staying in the basement of our own house. And she kind of has that more confrontational attitude that Julia Roberts is reciprocating. And they're kind of like, you can see that there's tension between them and they're going to butt heads from jump. Ethan Hawke's character is more laid back, more trusting. Mahersha Ali is more disarming and more understanding of the situation. And also lets on that he knows something of what's going on. He works in finance, deals with billionaire, really rich clients, kind of lets on in speaking to his daughter in confidence that one of his clients told him something about what's going on. But he doesn't want to raise suspicions or scare anyone, and he's not 100% sure either. He's just kind of reading the financial tea leaves, if you will. Now, another, I guess, conspiracy layer to this whole thing being, this whole production being uh, predictive programming or, or whatever, is that the kids had a NASA shirt, t-shirt on, and the other kid had an Obey t-shirt on. And the Obey t-shirt, what it's uh, supposed to symbolize, it's a you know counterculture skateboarder brand. And what it's supposed to symbolize within the you know conspiracy lore is you know speaking truth to power and not obeying the narrative or something along those lines. And then the NASA thing is supposed to be some sort of conspiracy thing, but I couldn't find anything on that. I don't understand the significance behind that and why, you know, it's considered an issue by some that it was in the movie. Also, that kind of fueled the whole conspiracy theory thing is that apparently Obama said a statement where he stated that he gave a lot of notes to Sam Esmail and... Ruman Alam, who again wrote the novel that this movie is based on. Sam Esmail wrote the screenplay for it, uh, adapting it for the, to the screen. But Obama provided notes on how to make the movie more realistic. So because of that, you know, folks are saying, you know, he's trying to tell us something. You know, they're priming us for something that's going to happen. And ultimately what does wind up happening, spoiler alert, is that there was a concerted attack on America specifically our electrical grid and everything from communication to hospitals what we know at to be this crumbling infrastructure of an electrical grid that we have that's super outdated and that politicians always run on stating that we need to fix it because if not and if we don't make serious strides in terms of fixing it and enhancing it it could be cat- catastrophic But in the movie, some hackers apparently were able to bring it down and America began to be bombed and it was a concerted effort by America's enemies. Now, to that point, and also to the point of the t-shirts that that I was speaking about earlier, I buy the fact that it's a realistic, I don't know about hackers and stuff like that, maybe it is, but a realistic thing because it's uh, something that we've heard for for years and years, probably uh, decades that the infrastructure, the crumbling infrastructure of the electrical grid is a problem that needs to be dealt with. So I feel like something fucking up in that realm or whether it being bombed or or hacked or just deterioration over time or what have you is going to have detrimental effects to American society. That doesn't seem far-fetched. That doesn't seem like a conspiracy. That doesn't seem like, I guess the angle from the conspiracy perspective is that 
they're letting us know that this you know is looming this this threat or something like that or it is happening soon but it's definitely within the realm of possibility right like i, I don't hear that and say oh my god that's that's nuts that would never happen it's actually the exact opposite it seems very plausible now to the part about the t-shirts and you know left-leaning tendencies being sprinkled throughout the movie to that i say of course it's produced by arguably probably not even arguably but the most influential powerful democrat in america which is barack obama sorry joe <laughs> um he's behind producing this movie if dwayne the rock johnson was producing this movie i'd expect to see wrestling t-shirts and and shit throughout the movie you know what i mean it's like no shit is gonna be left-leaning and and have a bias in that direction because it's being produced by someone that has that bias and is from that direction also and this is just my speculation if it also seems plausible to me that someone barack obama who's in you know obviously the highest of the public eye former president of the united states now is going into this space of media whether through a spotify deal and podcasts and producing movies and books to me it makes sense that part of the reasoning for that is to do what he can from his former being a, now being a former president doing what he can to influence a big way to influence is through culture a big way to an effective way seems to influence culture and sentiment is through the mediums that society consumes that we as consumers take in whether it's movies whether it's books whether it's podcasts whether it's music so if he which i don't know any reason to think otherwise but if he has this concern about the the grid the electrical grid as we've heard many politicians in the past you know speak to probably even obama i just can't remember any from memory right now but if he does have those concerns and he's in this space you know mental space uh, or what have you of wanting to do something about it or what he can do about it with the tools that he now has at his disposal again movies media books podcasts it makes sense for him to push that type of narrative. You know what I mean? It's like, It just seems so, like, duh to me. that I, I don't understand like, what's the kind of gotcha type of feedback that I'm hearing around this movie. Oh, look what he's trying to do. It's, yeah, if I was a president, I was trying to get legislation passed to fix the infrastructure, infrastructure and the electrical grid, and it didn't pan out the way I wanted it to, and now I'm doing movies... Yeah, I'm going to make movies about that shit, too, to see if this works. You know what I mean? Like, if that's my thing that I want to get done. But I digress. Now, for my friends on the right and other folks that, you know, not necessarily from the right, but just think that this is a big conspiracy or whatever, something that is very interesting that I would think is a, a better argument to those points is the fact that Mark Zuckerberg, for example, in Hawaii recently came out that he is building a hundred million dollar doomsday bunker under the ground in hawaii in this area where supposedly allegedly bill gates and jeff bezos and others have also purchased land that that definitely caused the a, a raising of the eyebrows wait 
are they trying to fucking tell us something? Is something coming? And also, what is the purpose of it? If that is the case, right? Let, let, let's <coughs> say this predictive programming is a thing and just, you know, secret societies of folks running the world and stuff like that. Is the purpose to prime the public in hopes that they're less freaked out if the grid failed and everything went to shit? Wouldn't we still equally freak the fuck out at the same levels? whether we have seen this movie or we're primed with this information or not. You know what I mean? Is there something about it that makes us just psychologically more accepting of the fact? I don't know. It's beyond my comprehension, but yeah, I thought that was definitely interesting. The fact that folks are building these doomsday bunkers, especially to that scale. Now, a critique that I definitely do agree with is the score of the movie. They laid it on very thick. And I thought that was a, a failure of the movie. Like, they made it very... I felt like I was watching a, a Freddy Cougar or Chucky movie from the 80s in terms of the score. Just this ominous, something's gonna happen, suspenseful music. And throughout the whole shit, it felt like from beginning to end, it was just like this scary, fucking an ominous thing that was laid on so thick that it took away from, I feel, the... It took me more out of it than into it, if that makes sense. Normally, the score will help enhance the mood that you as an audience member should be feeling. But this, I felt, was trying to do that so much so that it took me out of it a bit. So that's my critique of that. Now, one more big spoiler alert. So again, fast forward or skip this if you haven't seen the movie yet. But I'll say this before I share a couple of lines of dialogue that I, that I appreciated from the film. Throughout the whole movie, the daughter, played by Farrah McKenzie is obsessed with the show Friends. She was streaming it on her tablet, and she was up to the final episode of the final season. And that's when, you know, the internet dropped and she couldn't stream it, basically. So she annoying her brother and pretty much everybody with wanting to find out what happens with Ross and Rachel. And, you know, there's a lot more serious shit going on, obviously. So everybody kind of just pushes her concerns of how a... 90s sitcom ends to the side but towards the end she winds up going up to the, you know disappearing for a while she she was like went in the woods and the mom is looking for her as well as Mahershala Ali's daughter whose name I'm not going to try to pronounce again they kind of mend their relationship in this moment that you know they're looking for the daughter and something happens with them in the woods they wind up mending their their relationship but then they see this house at a distance, which they had foreshadowed before. It's a big white house with a red door. And they know the daughter took a bike from the garage and they were following these bike tracks to figure out where the heck it is that she went. And Kevin Bacon's character earlier, when he had the confrontation with Ethan Hawke and Mahershala Ali, mentioned this house and how that neighbor supposedly had some doomsday prepper bunker set up in his house because Kevin Bacon was a, a construction worker an architect and so he knew everybody's house the ins and outs of everybody's house but ultimately they pan to the daughter being in that house apparently the the owners of the house weren't there and they probably got stuck in the city which at this point it's being bombed and bombarded and she finds this door that she follows to a huge basement underground bunker that has crops and hydroponic lighting and exercise equipment and 
aisles and aisles and aisles of canned foods and huge jugs of water and it's just a doomsday prepper's wet dream, right? Space to sleep and bunk beds and the whole nine. A huge TV and a wall full of wall-to-wall DVDs. There's a computer that somehow has some sort of access to not like full internet computer, but it's getting a feed that is stating what's going on. And it, it confirms there at the end of the movie that, you know, the country is under attack and there's large amounts of radiation and a whole bunch of shit. And then it just ends with the girl pulling out a DVD from the wall, which was Friends, and then <laughs> going to the final episode and pressing play. And then the Friends theme song begins to play and the movie ends that way, which I thought was so fitting. You know, because you know the mom and Mahershala Ali's daughter found the tracks and know where she went. So they were like headed towards the house. And you know that Ethan Hawke and the the brother uh, who somehow instantly started feeling fine with the the medication that they got from Kevin Bacon. And Mahershala Ali knew about the place and were ultimately going to wind up there as well. All those loose ends got tied out. And it, it was just a very fitting and in my opinion satisfying ending but yeah spoiler alert on that let me tell you guys about a couple dope lines of dialogue so Mahershali is breaking down a few things that he knows about what's going on and what he works in and finance and who his clients are and stuff like that you know he's going on and on but then ends it with you know I don't want to freak anybody out I'm not I'm not you know sure this that and the other I don't know any more than that blah 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 and Julia Roberts character just flips out on him and she's like really you seemed pretty fucking certain a while ago with your haunting soliloquy i just love that that line haunting soliloquy another great line i thought was the next two actually from mahershala ali's character i believe which is the quiet is so noisy but that may have been julie roberts but i think it was him the quiet is so noisy and then this last one which is definitely from him where he stated, nothing frightens me more than a person unwilling to learn, even at their own expense. And then lastly, the line that Kevin Bacon said, which was that we made a lot of enemies around the world. And in his opinion, it looks like a few of them teamed up. Which you know what that made me think of? That made me think of the BRICS alliance that we were recently hearing, hearing about. Because they were having their which I thought was a new alliance or something, and it's not. The BRICS Alliance, for those who may not know, is BRICS is an acronym that stands for an association of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And it's an intergovernmental organization comprised of those countries that was formed in 2010. And in 2010, that's just when South Africa like, joined it and it, be, and it became BRICS. Before that was BRIC, B-R-I-C. It's a group of emerging economies, but we were recently hearing of them, and it was because they had the, the 15th annual state government summit or something like that. But anyway, that line of dialogue from Kevin Bacon of, of you know, a few of our enemies, quote unquote, teaming up, just made me think of that for some reason. And yeah, I'll just say this in closing, which is that I don't think, obviously don't know for sure, but I don't think that there's this like secret cabal of humans running the world and you know pulling all the strings and having specific ideas of where they want the world to be and go and where it's been etc 
but I do believe that the world is ran by incentives. And depending on how those incentives are aligned, you can get people to make certain decisions and and do certain actions, etc. And the way society is set up, we have groups of people, whether it be small groups or corporations or countries, which is a large group, or individuals that absolutely are driven by the motives and motivations that the incentives in their respective fields or interests, how they line up. And for the most part, folks are just living their lives, want the same or similar things, you know, health, happiness for themselves and their families to create a better life than a previous generation. And also guided in part by the incentive structures in their life. You might be incentivized by, let's think about it at a very micro level. You might be incentivized financially, which drives you to work extra super hard to try to get that promotion at work. You might be incentivized by a bad or negative diagnosis that a doctor gives you and that lets you know you need to do something about your health and that incentivizes you to become uber healthy. You might be incentivized by laziness and you just want to watch TV and eat potato chips. You might be, think of a larger group, a corporation is incentivized by their bottom line. They want to increase their bottom line at all costs. They have a mandate to do so and a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders. So they're incentivized in that direction, depending on the industry that they're in that takes different shapes and forms, so on and so forth. So I think it's more a function of that than it is a function of, you know, this secret society's running shit. But yeah, that's just me. And I digress. That is my little recap and review of Leave the World Behind. Definitely worth checking out. And you can do so by checking it out on Netflix. Old Dads. It's a movie that debuted on Netflix on October 20th, 2023. Here is the official synopsis. Three best friends become fathers later in life and find themselves battling preschool principals, millennial CEOs, and anything created after 1987. As we like to do here on the Sponsor Day Podcast, let's shout out the writers first and foremost. Old Dads was written by Bill Burr and Ben Tischler. Shout out to those guys. Of note is that the movie was directed by Bill Burr as well. And it starred the three best friends, Bill Burr, Bobby Cannavale, and Bukim Woodbine. Also of note is that it was produced by All Things Comedy, which is Bill Burr's production company, co-founded by Bill Burr and Al Madrigal. And tying to the, what we were speaking about earlier, with the biases of the producer or producers of of a movie coming out through the movie, This being produced by All Things Comedy and Bill Burr writing it and directing it highlights that point perfectly, in my opinion. Because if you're familiar with Bill Burr's uh, stand-up comedy or his podcast and his personality in general, you see a lot of it in this film. And that's obviously his point of view, his movie. He wrote it. He directed it. He produced it. Of course, you're going to get that. (laughs) You know what I mean? That should not come as a surprise. But I was really happy with this movie. I thought it was a masterclass in just social commentary in all that's wrong with social virtue signaling and 
what we prioritize to speak about and be quote unquote angry about or uh, you know signal to other folks hey this is what i'm angry about now to get social brownie points or whatever the fuck it is i thought this movie was a masterclass in that it was funny it was engaging certain frustrations that i as a father deal with i saw a bit of myself in you know some of the characters in, in the movie there's a scene in the beginning where bobby cannavale's kid which is just that they're at a party a birthday party and there's a bunch of kids around and parents and you know everybody's just doing their own thing barbecue in the backyard and one of the kids which is bobby cannavale's kid is just running around hitting people with sticks throwing shit just being that asshole kid at the party and then he has his mom uh, bobby cannavale's wife which is the type of mom that you know thinks that their kid can do no wrong you know meanwhile this five-year-old six-year-old whatever he is is literally grabbing a branch from a tree and smacking people across the face with it across the head with it and just screaming at the top of his lungs and just acting the fuck out uh but the mom is you know thinks he can't do any wrong and is making excuses for him oh he's just expressing himself what's wrong with expressing yourself he's not is he not allowed to express himself? Is he supposed to suppress his feelings, et cetera, et cetera? And it's all right, lady, relax. I get it, but at the same time, check your kid. <laughs> That's not normal behavior. And yeah, there's a scene where the kid winds up hurting Bill Burr's kid, pushing him or something, he scrapes his knee, and then Bill Burr, you know, doesn't want to baby his kid. You know, he's like, you know, rub some dirt in it, you'll be okay. And then sees that Bobby Cannavale can't even stand up to his own wife. Although he agrees with Bill Burr that his kid is just wigging the fuck out. And what Bill Burr does is he waits until nobody's looking. The kid is passing by and he just trips the kid. <laughs> I thought that was definitely hilarious and something I wanted to do. In that scene also, there's a, a cameo by Rick Glassman, which lives across the street. And it's a hilarious exchange between him and Bill Burr. And he tells him, oh, you know, he shouldn't rub dirt in it. He should put some Neosporin in it or something like that. And Bill Burr's like, yeah, who the fuck are you? <laughs> What are you, a doctor or something? He was like, no, it's just, you know, common sense. You you want to keep a, a cut clean and and dry or whatever. And in true Bill Burr fashion, just lets his anger out on him type of thing and tells him to fuck off and mind this business. And that was a dope thing also about the, the movie is that there was a bunch of cameo with a, a cameos uh, with a bunch of comics, which I like to see. I, I love that in the Machine movie and in these bigger uh, productions that these comics are, are coming out with. Rick Glassman is in it. As I mentioned, they showed a mural that's in LA of Brody Stevens, R.I.P. to Brody. Paul Verzi is in it. There's a, a couple scenes in a strip club, which were funny. Natasha Leggero is in it. She plays one of these uber progressive moms in the, the PTA. Rory Scoville is in it, another comic. It's really funny, really good. And basically the, in the movie, Bill Burr and his friends, you know, they have this company that they started. They're making good money, but they made the decision to sell it. And they wind up selling it to this new agey type of tech startup-ish type of company. Meanwhile, it's a, the company that they built is a company that makes throwback jerseys or something like that and some other apparel. And it shows really well this cultural stylistic difference between this new agey corporate BS, or not BS rather, but mentality versus a more old school, blue collarish type of approach to running a business. But there is a lot of new agey corporate BS buzzwords and stuff like that. When this CEO millennial kid is speaking to Bill Burr and Bobby Cannavale and Bokeem Wood Woodbine's character, 
pretty much telling them that if they don't get with the you know new program and stuff like that that they they would be let go because they sold the company but they stayed on as founders and bill burr with his charming anger just tells him are you threatening me and then the new agey corporate ceo guy just tells him no it's just transparent leadership and he has a bunch of like these flowery buzzword terms to relabel what he's really saying it's just a, a bunch of funny exchanges with him throughout the movie as well another hilarious scene is the dude that played big head in silicon valley he's T- natasha Legero's husband and they're in this pta meeting type of thing and it's them two and bill burr and bobby cannavale because their kids all go to the same school and a couple other people and he interrupts bill burr because he's saying that he is using too much of his white privilege or something like that and making decisions or offering opinions that come from a white privileged uh, point of view and that he feels triggered by it meanwhile the guy's white and bill burr's wait a second aren't you white <laughs> he looks at bobby cannavale and he's like ain't that a white guy so <laughs> it's just a moment sad that's fucking hilarious and then big ed's character goes he says something to the effect of excuse me i did my 23 and me and i am one thousandth of a percent native american or some shit like that <laughs> and that percentage of me is triggered by you offering to uh, blah 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 <laughs> it was just a, a funny really funny exchange which ties back again to the me saying that this is a masterclass social commentary and all that type of virtue signaling you know being angry about shit that doesn't really matter acting like you're mad about shit that you're not really mad about but you think it's the cool thing to be upset about and to highlight to signal about and yeah it was just a a funny entertaining watch again written and produced and directed by a comic who makes funny for a living you know what i mean so it it i love seeing that and i definitely want to see more of it shout out once again to bill burr and all things comedy oh and also the lovely nia who made a an appearance she had a cameo as a i don't think it's a cameo technically she was the nurse that delivered bill burr's bill burr's baby for Nia, for those of you who don't know, is Bill Burr's wife in real life. And that was pretty cool to see as well. Old Dads. Definitely, definitely, definitely worth the watch. I highly recommend it. It is available now on Netflix. Stavros Halkis's Fat Rascal is a very funny stand-up comedy special currently available on Netflix that came out in November, maybe December of 2023. I think December, actually. It's his second stand-up special, if I'm not mistaken. I actually have to go back and watch the first one because I haven't, but I'll circle back to that in a second. The official synopsis on Netflix is that comedian Stavros Halkis cheerfully skewers tech culture, air travel, sex, breakups, and himself in this raunchy and riotously acerbic stand-up special. Full disclosure on Stavros, I was a Stavros hater, and I'll admit it was just me being a hypocritical piece of shit because I hadn't seen any of his anything <laughs> before. I just saw that he was, he started popping up in my feed, and I saw him making rounds on podcasts that I, that I normally listen to, and he just rubbed me the wrong way. I don't, and I don't know why. Again, completely piece of shit take and thought from me, especially literally not even seeing any of his content. It was just an initial knee-jerk reaction. 
and I was just like, ah, I'm not going to listen to this episode, or I'm not going to watch this clip with this guy that is going around. But then enough podcast episodes and enough clips came up, and I was like, let me see, L- let me see, but you know who this guy is at least, <laughs> instead of just negatively judging him for absolutely no reason. And he's fucking hilarious. <laughs> he has one of the most contagious laughs as well which is great just when somebody has a contagious laugh that their laugh makes you laugh and i listen to and watch stoppy's world all the time which is his podcast now and have since gone back to watch episodes of uh, other podcasts that he was on that i watch or listen to and just think he's, he's great so stoppy apologies in advance for having that completely unprovoked just a negative reaction towards you <laughs> for for what it's worth and you know what's dope about stabby's world the the podcast he has callers call in and leave voicemails with questions and just advice that they want they want from him and it's both hilarious because people call in with things i heard one the other day that was uh, a clip of one where a guy is married to a girl who has three kids from an ex and that ex stayed cool with that girl's mom and is now banging and dating the mom so it's fucked up scenarios that and not just things like that also people calling for relationship advice and life advice and stuff like that and they're funny and he has funny takes but he also gives excellent like life coach level advice to these folks which is an interesting juxtaposition that i appreciate but yeah, a couple of my favorite bits from this special, again, Fat Rascal, available on Netflix, was one where he says that he's Greek, so he's, as if you couldn't tell from his name, Stavros, Halkius, <laughs> where he says that Greeks are more Arab than white, but that folks consider them white because just whites in general wanted to pad their white resume with, you know, democracy and philosophy. Still now, fuck you, Arabs, we're keeping that. We're, we're only owning those guys. We claim them. It's just a, a funny premise, a fun, funny bit. It has a really good long airline bit, which is really good. And I loved, probably my favorite bit of the, the whole special was his take on Neuralink and Elon Musk in general, but mainly Neuralink, which I've spoken about in the past here on the podcast. But if you don't know, Neuralink is one of Elon's endeavors, one of his companies where the goal is to have chips, computer chips, implanted in your brain. And the idea is to start with uh, paraplegics or people that are paralyzed and use that technology to bridge the communication gap that's happening between your brain and your spine and your limbs that's not allowing you to walk anymore. And people that are blind, that aren't able to see anymore, and through this type of technology, being able to repair those types of physiological issues. But also, down the line, the thought of Neuralink is that it's kind of like having the internet in your head. So you can Google shit in your mind type of thing. Very Black Mirror-ish. But it's literally a real company that exists that is <laughs> endeavoring to do this and has shown and had test subjects in pigs and monkeys and they actually featured it i believe almost certain i featured it as a video of the week in my my free newsletter which you all can subscribe to absolutely for free at sponsor.com forward slash subscribe 
where I put out cool curated content like that. Interesting stuff. But yeah, they show videos of how this technology works and eventually how it'll be adopted to humans, so on and so forth. But Stavros's take, which is a, a very unique, very interesting, and very plausible take, <laughs> is that no tech company is going to create some shit neural link. And, and I'm paraphrasing, by the way. Hopefully I don't butcher this. But he says that no tech company is going to create something like neural link and just give everybody the ability to know everything that exists in the world by, you know, Google searching shit in your head and making people super smart and, you know, bettering humanity. He was like, what a tech company would do and what they're more likely to do is just to put, get in your brain and start putting your own memories behind the paywall and say, hey, you want to remember that hug from your dad? Deposit 99 cents here. <laughs> or do you want to remember that time that that girl, Sarah, jacked you off in the back of the school bus when you guys are going on that class trip sorry you can't access that memory because you're currently not enrolled in our platinum level memory program <laughs> he was like please enter your debit card or you get ads in the middle of you thinking back on something and trying to remember something with your mom and it's saying this memory is brought to you by burger king fucking hilarious man and it's so true right you could think of corporate greed mixed in with that type of technology and ability in the hands of the wrong person, I could definitely see it going in that direction. And it was just hilarious. But yeah, like I said, something I still need to do is go back and watch Stavi's first special, which is also available now and free on YouTube. I think it was from last year. But this one, I definitely highly recommend. Stavros Halkis's Fat Rascal, available now on Netflix. Goats doing goat shit. This is a segment where I like to highlight goats within their respective lanes, exceeding expectations, and going above and beyond. This episode's inductee into the Spun Today Goats Doing Goat Shit segment is none other than Mr. Beast. Shout out to Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast, for those of you who don't know, is the most popular YouTuber of all. He does these really elaborate YouTube videos and not stunts, but... Let me give you an example of the type of content that that a type of content that he puts out, which is, for example, giving someone building a house in the middle of nowhere, a small little house and challenging someone to stay in the house. They can't leave the house for 30 days. And if they do, they get, I don't know, $500,000 or something like that can't see family, no Internet, no anything. They'll have food and water. And that's pretty much it. Then they'll have, you know, he'll do things. There's a big circle in a field somewhere. Everybody's in the circle. Last person to leave the circle wins, you know, X amount of dollars. You know, people are in a very cold, frozen room. Last one to leave wins X amount of dollars. Stuff like that. He also has a philanthropy arm to his channel. A completely separate channel dedicated to doing good. He recently had a video that I featured as a video of the week in my newsletter spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe if you're interested where he paid for the cataract surgery for a hundred or a thousand people or something like that that literally couldn't see for years and years and years and years because they couldn't afford this uh, cataract surgery didn't have insurance to cover it and through his philanthropy channel did this their videos they get millions and millions and millions of views generates funds for him to continue doing this type of thing now, the video specifically that I wanted to feature Mr. Beast for is one that I will link to in the episode notes. 
titled, I Built 100 Wells in Africa. So he literally went to Africa, him and his team, and coordinated and showed the building of 100 water wells in Africa. Now, these are small, very, very impoverished, poor villages that live in conditions where they have to either walk miles to try to get some water, whether clean or not, usually not, multiple times a day for drinking and cleaning and showering and that type of thing. There's no running water in these these areas, these villages. And many of the children especially grow up just with having diarrhea, getting typhoid disease and dying young. And it's just a part of their, their lives. You know, we as humans get used to anything, as they say, right? But what he did in building these natural freshwater wells, which the process essentially is this huge... And they break it down in the video more eloquently uh, than I can. But these huge trucks that dig deep, deep into the earth, past all the rock and soil and pollutants, into freshwater reservoir. And that allows them to add a spigot to the top and provide fresh drinking water to all these areas. And it's unlimited fresh drinking water that can produce uh, approximately 3,600 gallons a day, 3,600 gallons per day per spigot, and can pump for 30 years plus, completely free, aside from obviously the cost of doing this, which is what Mr. Beast and his philanthropic channel covered, what they paid for it to do. That setup also provided a pressurized water source, which will allow folks to have running water and pressure to be able to wash clothes and stuff like that and no longer have to go to the rio to wash clothes and bang bang the clothes up against a rock, so on and so forth. He also, in one village, uh, provided the clean water for a, uh, a clean water well for a hospital that was there. It's obviously very important to have clean water in, in a hospital, but they were also dealing with, you know, you know, unsanitary conditions and dirty water or having to go through hell to try to get clean clean water and a bunch of avoidable unnecessary obstacles there was another village where they had to cross this very shaky rickety bridge where people constantly you know a handful of people die every year just from trying to cross a river on this rickety bridge he got that bridge rebuilt to a bridge that is poised to last 100 years in another village where he built one of these 100 water wells. He provided the school with all new furniture, all new computers, a soccer ball to every single student. In another village where he built one of these water wells, he provided a bicycle to every single student. In another school, he provided projectors and bookshelves filled with new books in their classrooms. And all those ancillary things are all just like little cherries on top. The big takeaway, obviously, is the fresh water that we all take for granted that these folks living in these villages never had access to. Now, he did get flack from, and this part is just frustrating to me because I just don't get this part of human nature. If it's you wanting the credit or you being upset that someone helped more than you could have instead of just be happy that the goal of obtaining fresh water was met. But... There were certain NGOs or aka uh, non-governmental organizations coming out against Mr. Beast doing this through his philanthropic arm of his company, stating things like 
you know, there are organizations that exist that do this type of work. He came out of nowhere and did this, and now he's getting all the credit. These things have to be built uh, sustainably. He's doing it just for clicks and likes, so on and so forth. To that, I'll say 100%, as stated by Mr. Beast himself in the video, 100% of the money raised from the video is going back into building more wells. And two, for the other major concern of sustainability, these water pumps were built and spigots to be able to run for 30 years. That's three decades. If that's not sustainable, I don't know what is. Now, if any of those things turn out not to be the case, then you have somewhat of a case uh, against Mr. Beast or, or you know his methods to, to doing this. But even if those things weren't the case, let's say he was doing this just for clicks, just for money, to drive around in Ferraris or some shit, he still provided 100 water wells to 100 villages throughout Africa to people that otherwise did not have access to that water. Your motivations for doing that, I don't give a flying fuck about. The goal was met of providing water to people that need water to live, to survive. You know what I mean? Your personal motivations for doing so is secondary to me. The fact that he apparently has the motivations of this altruistic goal of just providing the water and 100% of the funds raised from it are going to go back into the same thing and just cutting through all the bureaucracy and bullshit is admirable to me. And the fact that they were built sustainably to last 30 years. That's like above and beyond in my eyes. Just the goal of meeting the fact that these villages have sustainable water now or just water in general. Let's say it lasted six months, a year. You made everyone's life better for that period of time, let alone the projected amount of time that and generations that this will affect if in fact it does last for 30 years. So folks, stop hating on folks doing good trying to do the right thing just because it wasn't the way that you would go about doing it and shout out to mr beast and team for quite honestly having the balls to try to do good and try to do better in spite of the blowback received for this video and others and that folks is the mr beast installment of goats doing goat shit and that, folks, was episode 250 of the Spun Today podcast. It's been a heck of a year. Another one in the books, final episode of the year. I hope you guys are enjoying your holidays or about to enjoy your holidays and wishing each and every one of you a happy and prosperous new year. Let's continue to grow and build and love in 2024 and do less of the hating and tearing down. And I say that as much to myself as I mean that for others as well. Until next time, until next year, peace. What's up, folks? Tony here. I hope you're enjoying the Spun Today podcast as much as I enjoy producing it for you. Here are a few ways you can help support the show. You can support the Spun Today podcast financially by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. There you will find a couple different ways that you can do just that, some of which will actually not even cost you a dime such as using my Amazon affiliate link. When you go to spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll see my affiliate link to Amazon. Click on it and it will take you to Amazon's website where you can do your shopping like normal. This will not cost you anything extra, but Amazon will pay me for driving traffic to their website. If you'd like to support the podcast more directly, you can do so by becoming a patron at spuntoday.com forward slash support. You'll also find my Patreon link 
This is where creators such as myself can be paid directly by patrons like you. You can either make a one-time donation or schedule recurring donations if you so choose. There are also different tiers of support, and depending on which you decide to go with, you'll also receive some perks in return, such as early access to content, free digital copies of my books, free bookmarks, etc. That is, again, by supporting via my Patreon link, available at sponsorday.com forward slash support. Similar to Patreon, at that same location, you'll also find my Ko-fi link as well as my Buy Me A Coffee link. They work very similar to Patreon and are different ways that you can help support the show financially. And last but certainly not least, you have the good old-fashioned PayPal donation button. Any which way that you choose to support is greatly appreciated. It all helps me do more of what I love, which is writing and podcasting. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash support. You can also support the Spun Today podcast by rating and reviewing the show wherever it is that you're listening to this episode. I'd really appreciate it because it really does help. Also, follow me on all socials at Spun Today on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Spun Today on Instagram, and at Spun Today on YouTube, where you'll not only find the full-length episodes of the podcast, but also chopped up clips and additional content. And of course, you can follow the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Spun Today. Another way you can help support the Spun Today podcast and also upgrade that stale wardrobe of yours is by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support and clicking on the banner for Stitch Fix. Once you do, you'll enjoy a $25 discount to your first purchase. And the way Stitch Fix works is pretty cool. I use it and have never been disappointed. You'll set up a profile. You'll put in all the sizes for your clothes, as well as all the different brands and types of clothes that you like to wear. It's really simple and intuitive to set up. They'll show you pictures and pretty much give you a thumbs up or thumbs down option on if you would wear something or not. And you get to select all the brands that you already are used to wearing. With this information, their thousands of passionate trend-setting stylists will curate a Stitch Fix box for you. They'll send you five items that you get to preview before they mail it to you, and you'll get to select based on the image if you like it or not. If not, they'll replace it with something else. And if so, they'll mail it to you absolutely for free. You can try everything on, and you have a few days to send everything back or keep the stuff that you want to keep. Then you can use that $25 credit that I mentioned towards your purchase of those items. Again, to freshen up your wardrobe and also support the Spun Today podcast, go to spuntoday.com forward slash support and click on my affiliate link banner for Stitch Fix and enjoy your $25 credit. Do you want to start your own podcast? Have a great show idea that you want to get out into the masses, but don't know quite how to get it from your head out into the world? Well, here's how. Use the podcast host, Libsyn. That's who I use to bring the Spun Today podcast to you. And now you can use them the same way. Using the promo code SPUN, S-P-U-N, you can open up your Lipson account today and get two months of free podcast hosting. Here's how it works. Once you record your show, you upload it to your Lipson account where you can fill in your episode notes, upload your podcast art, and schedule when you want your episodes to release. Once you do that, Lipson will take care of the rest. They'll distribute your show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and all the other podcatchers that you choose instantaneously and seamlessly. Again, go to Lipson.com and use the promo code SPUN, S-P-U-N, to get two months free. Or use the affiliate link that's in the episode notes. 
Again, that's Lipson.com, promo code SPUN. Take that great podcast idea from out of your head and put it out into the world. And as always, folks, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. I love you, Aiden. I love you, Daddy. I love you, Grayson. I love you, Daddy.